0: appreciate um, all of your support so eric will be back tomorrow uh, back to the regular schedule vaughn is with the west virginia baptist convention leadership council and so he's away this weekend as well but it is good to be together in the house of the lord the friendship registers are on your rows and so if you would sign those for us and um, pass those down the row since we're in a different setting in here some of us or you may not remember their names, so the Friendship Register is your friend. Uh, It will help you learn the people around you and keep up with them. And do not be shy about asking folks uh, their names, too, if you don't grab the Friendship Register. We are all here as brothers and sisters in Christ, and this is a wonderful opportunity for us to get to know one another. Thank you for being here for worship with Fifth Avenue Baptist Church. Your presence matters. Now let us all offer our hearts to God as John leads us in the praise. Invite folks to do something that might be very hard. If you can, would you scoot so that there is room on any of the aisles? So scoot sort of to the middle of your row. We have some folks that are looking for seats. I know there's different seats peppered around, but if you could, thank you. God bless you. Look at that. Thank you, servants of the Lord, for scooching. All right. Now let us pray.
1: cherish their journeys of faithfulness. They instruct and guide us in life's journeys. Make us attentive to the voice that prompt us and prompt us as people of faithful practice. Please join me in remembering the words taught by Jesus. Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done.
2: and the righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure, they will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts of the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. A reading from the word of the Lord. The Word.
3: I'd like to invite the children down. The world every day. Now you're gonna be kind of surprised about what they are. Because they're not, there's none. None of the things you mentioned are in my box. Alright, we gonna get first time right. the first one out. Alright. The first turn it on. The first thing we have is a flashlight. Now we've talked about being the light of the world before. You guys have heard that, right? Yeah. <laughs> now in the Bible in Matthew 5, 14, 16, Avan's gonna read what it says.
4: good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven.
3: So we don't want to turn on the flashlight and put it back in the box, right? No, we want to shine it so others can see, right? Jesus is telling us to let his light shine through us. Not to let our light shine so everyone sees us, but that his light shines through us so that they can see him. Now, let's see. Uh, She's gonna get my other icon. Right She's gonna hold it for us. What is it? Salt. It's a salt shaker. Now that seems a little strange for Valentine's Day, gifts, doesn't it? <laughs> well, in Matthew five verse thirteen, Avon's gonna read what is it
4: You're in the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot.
3: Salt is good for seasoning, isn't it? Who loves a good salty potato chip or good salty french fries? Yeah, me too. Well, God wants us to be like salt to the world. He wants us to have flavor to life, which means (laughs) <laughs> that we should make life interesting and worth living for Jesus to those around us. As followers of God, we are to season the world for him by sharing his love. Now, what if Layton took the salt and dumped it all in her plate? Just a big pile of salt. Would that be very good? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Maybe like one little be. taste. But yeah. then it wouldn't be able yeah. would to either. <laughs> that be, yeah. And that's why Jesus wants to send us out unto all parts of the world. He doesn't want to just clump us together. He wants us to share and spread out His love all over the place. Now another use for salt when Jesus was on earth was saving food from spoiling or going bad. They didn't have refrigerators, so they had to put salt on the meat and the food to keep it good and not spoil. As believers in Christ, we are sent to help preserve or save people from separation from God and preserve their hearts. From the wickedness of the world. God wants us to help people know Jesus so that they can be saved. Now, there's another use for salt, and I bet a lot of you saw it after it snowed. What did they put on the roads to melt the ice? No. <laughs> salt.
5: <laughs> That's a good word. It's a
3: mixture of snow and salt, right? They put salt on the roads, right? So when it snows,
5: uh, say. And sometimes they have salt.
3: Yes, they have those two, and they also use salt and salt melts sides. And so Jesus wants us to go out and melt the hardened hearts of people that don't listen to the word of God so that they know they're loved and can melt their hearts. Now one more thing that salt was used for a long time ago was to heal a cut or a wound. That would kind of hurt. Yeah, <laughs> that would <was> really hurt. <laughs> so <laughs> they didn't really have medicine. So they would put salt So we kill the
5: bacteria and help it heal faster.
3: Well, as Christians, we are supposed to comfort those around us, right? And help those who are hurting to heal. Now, salt believes in flavor. And it's usefulness, especially if it's left in there, right? What if, okay, let's put the salt in the light back. Put it back. Tell me, is it any good in there? No. So if we're the salt in the light of the earth, are we any good? For Jesus if we keep these things in our hearts are we any good if we don't spread them out
5: we don't, we no. don't season our salt and shine no. our light no. can you
3: tell us in here no. no we have to let it out don't we so Jesus wants us to go out into the world and be the salt and be the light so that people know so that people know that the King of Kings loves them every day single day. Okay. Can you all promise me you'll go out and be the light and of the vault?
5: I yeah. Will you pray with me? Yeah. Dear,
3: God, Dear God, help us to shine your light and to season the world with your love with your God, wherever, we go, wherever so we go so that people can see through us,
5: <laughs> see through us so
3: that they are loved by you they are loved by you. Amen.
6: we call 5th Avenue Baptist. We thank you for the comfort of our fellowship hall where we can make new friends and hear your word. We thank you for the joyful voices of our choir. We thank you for our dedicated ministers and staff. We're spoiled, Lord. Please don't let us take these people or this place for granted. Your work is taking place every day. Let us not forget the We are all a part of your plan and must work together in your name. Help us to honor you with our gifts. (laughs) Be with us now as we share our tithes and offerings. In the holy name we pray. Amen.
7: this week, um, Donna Mant, who had, um, she and her husband John had moved to Florida a few years ago permanently, but she passed away this week after a long illness, and we want to remember her whole family and her son John, you know, is still here in town and very active here at church and in our community, so um, our hearts are with them right now as they, as they greet this loss and as they gather together for wonderful memories. May we pray. God of love, we humbly come before you with gratitude for who you are. We want to be all you ask us to be. You call us to be salt and light in our world. You assure us of your never-ending presence in our lives. We trust you, and we believe. And yet it can all feel so overwhelming. Yesterday we heard of an attack against our country's soldiers and others in Afghanistan, and our hearts break as we wait to hear of the lives affected by this. We fear this culture of war will never end. How can we be salt and light in the midst of such turmoil? We witness daily the vitriol and bitter divisions exhibited within our own nation on every level. And we worry that we may never find our way back to healthy discourse. How can we be salt and light in the midst of such discord? We watch individuals and families in our own community and in the world continue to wrestle in the clutches of substance use disorder as they oftentimes face the painful consequences of increasing illness, incarceration, and even death. We fear the power of this disease may be too great. How can we be salt and light in the midst of such suffering? Among our church family, many are coping with illness, grief, and strife, feelings of loneliness, sadness, anger, fear, and even loss of hope can be crushing. How can we do salt and light for each other in the midst of pain? Oh, Father, it can seem as though all is heavy and dark, but as we lift our weary heads and gaze into your world, we are reminded this is only part of the story. We woke up Friday to a blanket of snow covering the ground and in the quiet of the morning we paused in awe of the astounding beauty of your creation. We watched the children run forward a moment ago with such glee and joyful anticipation and we are reminded to be more like them in our faith. We worship and sing songs together as a family of God and we know we are not alone we travel this journey with brothers and sisters in Christ. We read your words and know you are with us to guide us, teach us, sustain us, and love us. The dark can seem so powerful until we remember one small light is all that is needed to overcome it. The world can seem so distasteful until we remember A sprinkle of salt is all that is needed to rescue the flavor. We live in a world that is troubled, but we know this is not your plan. You tell us of your kingdom come on earth, and you ask us to believe it is possible and join with you in this work. Father, comfort our pain, bring peace to our turmoil and give us courage for the tasks before us. We ask that you make us your instruments. Where there is hatred, let us so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. In the name of Jesus, our sustainer and redeemer. Amen.
0: trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light in all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And all of God's people said, Amen. When a group from our church visited Israel in the fall of 2018, one of my favorite places that we went was the Church of the Beatitudes. There by the Sea of Galilee, the church stands on what we here in West Virginia would not call a mount, but a hill. But in Israel, it's a mount. Now, we don't have exact proof that this was the spot where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, but it's pretty close. It fits the scene well. It's the area where Jesus spent the first years of his ministry, and the geography's right. There's this tall hill, and it slopes right down to this flat area at its base, right by the shore, and it's where a large group of people could have gathered so that they could hear the person from up on the mountain speak, or the hill, as it were. And then there's also ancient church tradition that tells us this is the spot. There's a 4th century Byzantine church, the remains of that, there on this same hill where early Christians decided this was the spot, this must be where it is, and they spent blood, sweat, and tears building a small sanctuary there. But regardless of the exact location of the sermon, I found this church and its grounds to be a deeply holy place. The chance to pray in the octagonal sanctuary eight sided for the eight beatitudes, and the chance to pray on the garden grounds to stand at the top of that hill and look around and see the area where Jesus spent most of his ministry, just right here in front of us. That was such a gift. And it was a gift to stand there and imagine Jesus' first listeners all gathered together there at the bottom of that hill to hear him preach his first big sermon. Well, those first listeners didn't know when they gathered there at the foot of that hill that Jesus would begin his sermon not with a list of commandments or a checklist of a delineation of things that they needed to change, but with blessing. All those people had come from near and far to hear him, and the first thing he did was bless them. And these are not people that we would normally think of in today's world as hashtag blessed either. In fact, it's just the opposite. In every verse, (laughs) Jesus blesses people who are either dealing with something hard, like those who are poor or broken in spirit, or those who mourn or who hunger and thirst for relationships to be made right with the Lord or right with each other. Or he's blessing people who are doing hard things, being merciful in this difficult world, living meekly with full trust in God when everything else points to taking things in their own hands, and those who are peacemakers in this world of conflict. In none of these blessings does Jesus talk about being successful or achieving anything or accolades or anything else. That might go on a resume. By opening with a blessing for all of these people who are experiencing difficult things or trying to do difficult things, Jesus is telling these first listeners, his first followers, who they are. These blessings reveal what it looks like, what it is to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of his and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven he has brought to earth. A place where those who mourn are comforted and honored. Where those who are poor and broken in spirit are seen and valued and heard. Where those who are meek and trust in the Lord alone inherit the earth. The Beatitudes are about identity, about who we are. As followers of Jesus the one who blesses us with his presence and comfort and love and guidance whenever we are facing something hard whenever we're trying to do something hard because of Jesus we know that whatever hard thing we face or try to do that's not his last word not even death and so we are blessed After proclaiming who the disciples are by giving them this blessing, Jesus then turns to why disciples are in today's verses. He moves from identity to purpose. Jesus' mission isn't just to create an inwardly focused enclave, sealed off from the world, a group of the chosen few who have heard these blessings and then hoard them like so much gold. He made his disciples for a much greater purpose and he frames that purpose using two packed with meaning metaphors you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world now each metaphor warrants some unpacking first and you've heard this before from both eric and me The second person plural in the Greek doesn't have a really good translation into English. And I've always thought that what translators in English really need is the always helpful southern term, (laughs) y'all. Which clearly refers to the second person plural. It means all of us, you all. When Jesus speaks to his first listeners, it's clear he's talking to all of them together, not as distinctly separate individuals, each of whom is the salt of the earth. But he's talking to everybody. Y'all are the salt of the earth. After all, we don't flavor the world very effectively as individuals. We flavor the world with God's love notice that just one grain of salt is not nearly enough to season a pot of grits right (laughs) not nearly enough Woe to the person who uses one grain of salt to season a pot of grits and so neither does one lone believer make much of an effect on the world when they're operating separately from the rest of the body rest of the y'all. One grain of salt can't bring out the flavors that are already mixed up in that pot of grits. You need a good, generous shake of that salt shaker to do the trick. And then you have a breakfast fit for kings. We need each other. We're meant to go together. Then notice that Jesus speaks this declarative sentence in the present tense. He's not saying you're going to be the salt of the earth one day when you reach this certain level of discipleship. And he's not even saying you should be the salt of the earth. And he's not saying go be the salt of the earth. He's declaring you already are right this minute the salt of the earth. You, y'all, flavor the world. A quick bit of history. During Jesus's day, salt was prevalent, but it wasn't as easily accessible as it is today. The main source of salt in Israel was the dead the sea, and it was a little bit of a troublesome process to get the salt out of the sea. There were workers whose job it was to scoop giant vessels of seawater, and then they dumped them into pits, and the water would eventually evaporate into the heat of the sun, and left there in those pits would be these large, coarse grains of sand, which were then gathered up and distributed throughout the area. And the people use this salt in daily life to flavor their food, not grits, but other things that they would flavor. But then also to preserve things, especially salted fish, which was a major source of trade in that area. So salt was used to keep things around longer, things that would normally rot and ruin very quickly. If you just added enough salt. You could keep it for a long time, and it would bless you for a long time. In fact, salt gained a role in many covenant ceremonies, either between people or between people and God as they made covenant, because salt became a symbol for longevity and usefulness. In fact, the covenant that God made with King David to keep the people and take care of them and be their king That was referred to in 2 Chronicles as a covenant of salt, meaning it was long-lasting to be preserved and kept. So salt was both an everyday thing and a holy thing. And by using this everyday holy image, Jesus reminds his followers then, and he reminds us now, that together we, as Christ's body, bring out the flavors in this world. We help preserve what is good, and we help mark all that is holy and from God. After all, salt by itself, sitting in the shaker, as Miss Rachel told us, it doesn't do much good, does it? got to get out of that shaker to bless and to make a difference. And so that is true for us. We make our best impact on the world when we get out of these four walls and together work to show God's love, to flavor the world. And yet we're not meant to dump the whole salt shaker at once, right? Anybody ever had a big old bite of something that's way over salted? Not a good experience. Same thing with us. We don't jump into a situation out in the world and demand that everybody do things our way and see things our way right that minute. Nobody wants all that salt all at once. We're there to flavor. We're there to bring out the flavors and the savors of what is already there, what God is already doing. If we've lost our salt flavor, which we can only get from Jesus, then we've lost our purpose. And we probably need to go back to our identity so we can get our purpose right again. We need to go back to the Beatitudes, to the blessings of what it means to be a disciple so that we can then share those blessings. Y'all are the salt of the earth, meant to bless, to bring out the flavor all around us which is also true of light. It brings out what's already there. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. Again, present tense, second person plural. Y'all are the light of the world right now. Just as salt brings out the flavor of everything it touches, light illuminates everything it shines on, revealing and brightening what's already there. Light allows us to see. Without the light, we're stuck in the dark, afraid to move. Dr. Emerson Powery of Messiah College points out how hard it is for us in the modern world to even imagine a world without light. With a flip of a switch or a swipe of a finger, we've got light anytime we want it, any season, any hour of the day. Light is right at our fingertips all the time. And even when we want to get away from light, we can't. It's hard. You go outside to see the stars and there's so much ambient light that you can't. You can't see them. Or even in your own bedroom, or at least this happens to me, you turn out all the lights and there's still light in the room. Green and blue and red little dots that are the on buttons for all of our gadgets. And they put out a lot more light than we think they do. I've gotten pretty good at tossing my pillow, one of the pillows from our bed, to cover up the, uh, the cable, the Wi Fi light in our bedroom because it blinks. So it's almost impossible for us to get in touch with how, in ancient times, when night fell, it was dark. You didn't have a fire, you didn't have a lamp. The moon wasn't shining. It was dark. There wasn't even enough light sometimes for your eyes to adjust. There was no light for them to adjust to. When a light shines in that kind of darkness, it changes everything. Even if it's just one distant candle flame, it becomes a tiny beacon that lights the way. A number of years ago our family was on a family vacation and being the daughter of a teacher I knew that we would have to spend a little bit of time on a side trip to learn something right teachers in the room right every family vacation has some sort of educated purpose well ours was a trip to Linville Caverns and we went so this is in Marion North Carolina and we went to the caverns all excited And immediately we started learning things. We learned about when the boys were little, so this was fascinating to them. We learned about these trout that swim in the underground streams in the cavern and they're blind. Their eyes have adapted over the years. They've got these tiny little eyes and they don't even function. Instead, God has allowed them to adapt so that they have these extra sensory places on their skin so that they can feel what they can't see. We were fascinated by that. Then we learned about stalactites and stalagmites and how outlaws used to hide these caverns to obey the authorities. Also very exciting to my small children.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and our path was well lit all through the caverns. There were lights strung everywhere even way up into the ceiling so you could see the colors and the magnificent formations up there. In one section our tour guide led us to Uh, she took us out onto this bridge that was made out of a thick plexiglass. So you're standing on this bridge when she announces to you that you should look down because you're standing over a very deep well and they've never been able to find the bottom of this pit. Which all of us look down and suddenly realize that this very thick plexiglass really feels like saran wrap. (laughs) But that wasn't the only trick the tour guide had up her sleeve. She explained that all of the extensive lighting in the cavern was wonderful because it made them easy to explore, but it really took away from the natural setting. And she wanted us to experience that. So she had us put our phones away and cover up our watch faces and anything that gave off any light. And she said she was going to turn off the lights. And I remember looking at the boys and smiling oh this is going to be fun <laughs> <laughs> and then the lights went out and it was not fun and it was not neat. it was dark really really frighteningly dark not a speck of light anywhere you could not see your hand in front of your face and in just that moment I had just a burgeoning sense of panic I have no idea how to get out of here <laughs> And then just at that moment, the person in front of me stepped to the side just a little bit. And in my line of vision were the -the glow-in-the-dark design on the sneakers of a child in front of me. That tiny bit of light gave me a sense of centeredness and hope. And my eyes went straight there and they did not move until she flipped the lights on again. What a difference even the tiniest bit of light can make in a dark place. Y'all are, we are, the light of the world. Now Jesus, of course, is the source of that light. We don't generate it. We don't make it. We simply let him shine through us. Just as he is the source of the flavor that we send out into the world as salt, he is the source of our light, the light that we shine. We shine his light. Now that light may be like a distant city on a hill, as Jesus tells us in verse 14, or it may be like a lamp that you put on a lampstand high up in a room so that that light can light up every corner of the room. But no one, Jesus reminds us, puts a bushel basket over a lamp. That defeats the whole purpose. Lamps are meant to shine. Light is meant to shine. And that's what we're meant to do, too. That's our purpose. To flavor the world. To shine God's light. Wherever we are. We have here in this room the blessings of all of those beatitudes, the blessing of life abundance so that no matter what happens to us, no matter what hard thing we are called to do, we know that God is with us. And that that hard thing will never be the last word on any of us. We know those blessings. And those blessings are not ours to keep, but ours to share. That's who we are. That's what we do. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will get into more specifics of what it looks like to be his disciple. But sisters and brothers, I encourage us to stay here in these verses for a little while. To let them sink in. To let these two powerful metaphors for living as his disciples settle in our hearts. Because metaphors aren't measuring sticks. They're meant to make us ponder and inspire us and help us pause for a moment and say, oh. So think on these things, sisters and brothers. Ponder them. We are the salt of the earth right now. We are the light of the world right now. And that is a light that the darkness cannot overcome, even though it feels like sometimes it does. It cannot, it will not, it will never be able to overcome the light of the world. This is who we are. This is what we do. One of my favorite commentators put it this way, we as disciples, Let's go out and make the world tasty and lit up. (laughs) Tasty and lit up. That's what we do. So sisters and brothers, let's get out of the salt shaker. Let's let our light shine. It's who we are. It's what we do. Please pray with me. Use us, Lord, we pray, imperfect, broken people that we are, redeemed only by you, saved and healed only by you. Knowing this, Lord, help us to be the salt you need us to be to flavor this world and bring out the flavors all around us. Help us to be your light shining, so that those in the dark will know that darkness is not all there is. Use us, we pray. Let us be what you have already declared us to be, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a few moments, we'll sing our hymn, our response. We are called to be God's people, which is a beautiful celebration of what it means together for us to be God's people in our hurting world. If you've never given your life to Jesus or you're seeking to become part of a community where we want to be the salt and the light that Jesus calls us to be, you are welcome to come forward as we sing this song together. If you would like to just come forward to pray, you're welcome to do that as well. Let us stand and sing. we'll be back tomorrow, uh, back to the regular schedule. Vaughn is with the West Virginia Baptist Convention Leadership Council, and so he's away this weekend as well, but it is good to be together in the house of the Lord. The friendship registers are on your rows, and so if you would sign those for us and um, pass those down the row, since we're in a different setting in here, some of us. register is your friend. Uh, It will help you learn the people around you and keep up with them. And do not be shy about asking folks uh, their names too if you don't grab the friendship register. We are all here as brothers and sisters in Christ and this is a wonderful opportunity for us to get to know one another. Thank you for being here for worship with Fifth Avenue Baptist Church. Your presence matters. Now let us all offer our hearts to God as John leads us in the praise. Folks to do something that might be very hard, if you can, would you scoot so that there is room on any of the aisles? So scoot sort of to the middle of your row. We have some folks that are looking for seats. I know there's different seats peppered around, but if you could, thank you. God bless you. Look at that. Okay. Thank you, servants of the Lord, for scooching. All right. Now let us see.
1: cherish their journeys of faithfulness. They instruct and guide us in life's journeys. Make us attentive to the voice that prompt us and prompt us as people of faithful practice. Please join me in remembering the words taught by Jesus. Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done.
2: and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts of the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. A reading from the word of the Lord. The people, bold. Thanks be I'd like to invite
3: the children down, please. World every day, now you're going to be kind of surprised about what they are because they're not. There's none. None of the things you mentioned are in my box. All right, to get the first one out. All right, the first. Do you, do you turn it on. The first thing we have is a flashlight. Now we've talked about being the light of the world before. You guys have heard that, right? Yeah. <laughs> now in the Bible, in Matthew 5, 14, 16 Avon's going to read what it says.
4: good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. So we don't want to turn on the
3: flashlight and put it back in the box, right? No, we want to shine it so others can see, right? Jesus is telling us to let his light shine through us. Not to let our light shine so everyone sees us, but that his light shines through us so that they can see him. Now, let's see. Uh, She's going to get my other icon. Right and She's going to hold it for us. What is it? Salt. It's a salt shaker. Now that seems a little strange for Valentine's Day gifts, doesn't it? <laughs> well, in Matthew 5, verse 13, Avan's going to read what is it
4: You are in the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under underfoot. Salt is good for seasoning, isn't it?
3: Who loves a good salty potato chip or good salty french fries? Yeah, me too. Well, God wants us to be like salt to the world. He wants us to have flavor to life, which means <laughs> that we should make life interesting and worth living for Jesus to those around us. As followers of God, we are to season the world for him by sharing his love. Now what if Layton took the salt and dumped it all in her plate? Just a big pile of salt. Would that be very good? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, maybe like one little be. taste. But yeah. then no one not be out of either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why Jesus wants to send us out into all parts of the world. He doesn't want to just clump us together. He wants us to share and spread out His love all over the place. Now another use for salt when Jesus was on earth was saving food from spoiling or going bad. They didn't have refrigerators, so they had to put salt on the meat and the food to keep it good and not spoil. As believers in Christ, we are said to help preserve or save people from separation from God and preserve their hearts. From the wickedness of the world. God wants us to help people know Jesus so that they can be saved. Now, there's another use for salt, and I bet a lot of you saw it after it snowed. What did they put on the roads to melt the ice? Snow.
5: Salt. <laughs> yes. That's a good word.
3: It's a mixture of snow and salt, right? They put salt on the roads, right? So when it snows. salt. Yes, they have those two, and they also use salt and salt melts sides. And so Jesus wants us to go out and melt the hardened hearts of people that don't listen to the word of God so that they know they're loved and can melt their hearts. Now one more thing that salt was used for a long time ago was to heal a cut or a wound. That would kind of hurt. Yeah. <laughs> that would <was> really hurt. <laughs> so <laughs> they didn't really have medicine. So they would put salt kill
4: the bacteria and help it heal faster.
3: Well, as Christians, we are supposed to comfort those around us, right? And help those who are hurting to heal. Now, salt believes in flavor and its usefulness, especially if it's left in there, right? Okay, let's put the salt in the light back. Put it back. Tell me, is it any good in there? No. So, if we're the salt in the light of the earth, are we any good for Jesus if we keep these things in our hearts are we any good if we don't spread them out we don't we no. out season our salt and shine no. our light no. can you tell us in here no. no we have to let it out don't we so Jesus wants us to go out into the world and be the salt and be the light so that people know so that people know that the King of Kings loves them every day Single day. Can you all promise me you'll go out and be the light and the vault? I will be. Will you pray with me? (laughs) Dear God, God, help us to shine your light
5: light,
3: and to season the world world, with your love wherever we go go. so that people can see see through us that they are loved by
5: you. They are love Amen.
6: we call Fifth Avenue Baptist. We thank you for the comfort of our fellowship hall where we can make new friends and hear your word. We thank you for the joyful voices of our choir. We thank you for our dedicated ministers and staff. We're spoiled, Lord. Please don't let us take these people or this place for granted. Your work is taking place every day. Let us not forget the We are all a part of your plan and must work together in your name. Help us to honor you with our gifts. (laughs) Be with us now as we share our tithes and offerings. In the holy name we pray. Amen.
7: Right now, and of course, Alicia mentioned Eric's dad, and he has a long road of recovery ahead of him. So, um, we will continue to remember his dad and his mom and the whole family. And um, finally, uh, we lost one of our our longtime members this week, um, Donna Mant, who had um, she and her husband John had moved to Florida a few years ago permanently, but she passed away this week after a long illness. And we want to remember. Her whole family and her son John, we know, is still here in town and very active here at church and in our community. So um, our hearts are with them right now as they as they grieve this loss and as they gather together for wonderful memories. May we pray, God of love. We humbly come before you with gratitude for who you are. We want to be all you ask us to be. You call us to be salt and light in our world. You assure us of your never-ending presence in our lives. We trust you, and we believe. And yet it can all feel so overwhelming. Yesterday, we heard of an attack against our country's soldiers and others in Afghanistan, and our hearts break as we wait to hear of the lives affected by this. We fear this culture of war will never end. How can we be salt and light in the midst of such turmoil? We witness daily the vitriol and bitter divisions exhibited within our own nation on every level and we worry that we may never find our way back to healthy discourse. How can we be salt and light in the midst of such discord? We watch individuals and families in our own community and in the world continue to wrestle in the clutches of substance use disorder as they oftentimes face the painful consequences of increasing illness, incarceration, and even death. We fear the power of this disease may be too great. How can we be salt and light in the midst of such suffering? Among our church family, many are coping with illness, grief, and strife. Feelings of loneliness, sadness, anger, fear, and even loss of hope can be crushing. How can we do salt and light for each other in the midst of pain? Oh, Father, it can seem as though all is heavy and dark. But as we lift our weary heads and gaze into your world, we are reminded this is only part of the story. We woke up Friday to a blanket of snow covering the ground, and in the quiet of the morning, we paused in awe of the astounding beauty of your creation. We watch the children run forward a moment ago with such glee and joyful anticipation, and we are reminded to be more like them in our faith. We worship and sing songs together as a family of God, and we know we are not alone. We travel this journey with brothers and sisters in Christ. We read your words and know you are with us to guide us, teach us, sustain us, and love us. The dark can seem so powerful until we remember one small light is all that is needed to overcome it. The world can seem so distasteful until we remember a sprinkle of salt is all that is needed to rescue the flavor we live in a world that is troubled but we know this is not your plan you tell us of your kingdom come on earth and you ask us to believe it is possible and join with you in this work father comfort our pain bring peace to our turmoil and give us courage for the tasks before us we ask that you make us your instruments where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. In the name of Jesus, our sustainer and redeemer, amen.
0: You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light in all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. When a group from our church visited Israel in the fall of 2018, one of my favorite places that we went was the Church of the Beatitudes. There by the Sea of Galilee, the church stands on what we here in West Virginia would not call a mount, but a hill.
2: But in Israel,
0: it's a mount. Now, we don't have exact proof that this was the spot where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, but it's pretty close. It fits the scene well. It's the area where Jesus spent the first years of his ministry, and the geography's right. There's this tall hill, and it slopes right down to this flat area at its base, right by the shore, and it's where a large group of people could have gathered so that they could hear the person from up on the mountain speak, or the hill, as it were. And then there's also ancient church tradition that tells us this is the spot. There's a 4th century Byzantine church, the remains of that, there on this same hill where early Christians decided this was the spot, this must be where it is, and they spent blood, sweat, and tears building a small sanctuary there. But regardless of the exact location of the sermon, I found this church and its grounds to be a deeply holy place. The chance to pray in the octagonal sanctuary, eight sided for the eight Beatitudes, and the chance to pray on the garden grounds, to stand at the top of that hill and look around and see the area where Jesus spent most of his ministry, just right here in front of us. That was such a gift. And it was a gift to stand there and imagine Jesus' first listeners all gathered together there at the bottom of that hill to hear him preach his first big sermon. Well, those first listeners didn't know when they gathered there at the foot of that hill that Jesus would begin his sermon not with a list of commandments or a checklist of a delineation of things that they needed to change, but with blessing. All those people had come from near and far to hear him, and the first thing he did was bless them. And these are not people that we would normally think of in today's world as hashtag blessed either. In fact, it's just the opposite. In every verse, (laughs) Jesus blesses people who are either dealing with something hard, like those who are poor or broken in spirit, or those who mourn or who hunger and thirst for relationships to be made right with the Lord or right with each other. Or he's blessing people who are doing hard things, being merciful in this difficult world, living meekly with full trust in God when everything else points to taking things in their own hands, and those who are peacemakers in this world of conflict. In none of these blessings does Jesus talk about being successful or achieving anything or accolades or anything else. That might go on a resume. By opening with a blessing for all of these people who are experiencing difficult things or trying to do difficult things, Jesus is telling these first listeners, his first followers, who they are. These blessings reveal what it looks like, what it is to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of his and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven he has brought to earth. A place where those who mourn are comforted and honored. Where those who are poor and broken in spirit are seen and valued and heard. Where those who are meek and trust in the Lord alone inherit the earth. The Beatitudes are about identity, about who we are. As followers of Jesus the one who blesses us with his presence and comfort and love and guidance whenever we are facing something hard whenever we're trying to do something hard because of Jesus we know that whatever hard thing we face or try to do that's not his last word not even death and so we are blessed After proclaiming who the disciples are by giving them this blessing, Jesus then turns to why disciples are in today's verses. He moves from identity to purpose. Jesus' mission isn't just to create an inwardly focused enclave, sealed off from the world, a group of the chosen few who have heard these blessings and then hoard them like so much gold. He made his disciples for a much greater purpose and he frames that purpose using two packed with meaning metaphors you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world now each metaphor warrants some unpacking first and you've heard this before from both Eric and me the Second-person plural in the Greek doesn't have a really good translation into English. And I've always thought that what translators in English really need is the always helpful southern term, (laughs) y'all. Which clearly refers to the second-person plural. It means all of us, you all. When Jesus speaks to his first listeners, it's clear he's talking to all of them together, not as distinctly separate Individuals, each of whom is the salt of the earth. But he's talking to everybody. Y'all are the salt of the earth. After all, we don't flavor the world very effectively as individuals. We flavor the world with God's love together. Notice that just one grain of salt is not nearly enough to season a pot of grits, right? (laughs) Not nearly enough, woe to the person who uses one grain of salt to season a pot of grits. And so neither does one lone believer make much of an effect on the world when they're operating separately from the rest of the body, the rest of the y'all. One grain of salt can't bring out the flavors that are already mixed up in that pot of grits. You need a good generous shake of that salt shaker to do the trick. And then you have a breakfast fit for kings.
6: <laughs>
0: we need each other. We're meant to go together. Then notice that Jesus speaks this declarative sentence in the present tense. He's not saying You're going to be the salt of the earth one day when you reach this certain level of discipleship. And he's not even saying you should be the salt of the earth. And he's not saying go be the salt of the earth. He's declaring you already are right this minute the salt of the earth. You, y'all, flavor, world. A quick bit of history. During Jesus's day, salt was prevalent, but it wasn't as easily accessible as it is today. The main source of salt in Israel was the dead the sea, and it was a little bit of a troublesome process to get the salt out of the sea. There were workers whose job it was to scoop giant vessels of seawater, and then they dumped them into pits and the water would eventually evaporate into the heat of the sun and left there in those pits would be these large coarse grains of sand which were then gathered up and distributed throughout the area and the people used this salt in daily life to flavor their food, not grits, but other things that they would flavor. But then also to preserve things especially salted fish which was a major source of trade in that area so salt was used to keep things around longer things that would normally rot and ruin very quickly if you just added enough salt you could keep it for a long time and it would bless you for a long time In fact, salt gained a role in many covenant ceremonies, either between people or between people and God as they made covenant, because salt became a symbol for longevity and usefulness. In fact, the covenant that God made with King David to keep the people and take care of them and be their king, that was referred to in 2 Chronicles as a covenant of salt. Salt meaning it was long-lasting to be preserved and kept. So salt was both an everyday thing and a holy thing. And by using this everyday holy image, Jesus reminds his followers then and he reminds us now that together we as Christ's body bring out the flavors in this world. We help preserve what is good, And we help mark all that is holy and from God. After all, salt by itself, sitting in the shaker, as Miss Rachel told us, it doesn't do much good, does it? It's got to get out of that shaker to bless and to make a difference. And so that is true for us. We make our best impact on the world when we get out of these four walls and together work to show God's love, to flavor The world. And yet, we're not meant to dump the whole salt shaker at once, right? Anybody ever had a big old bite of something that's way over salted?
5: Mm,
0: Not a good experience. Same thing with us. We don't jump into a situation out in the world and demand that everybody do things our way and see things our way right that minute. Nobody wants all that salt all at once. We're there to flavor. We're there to bring out the flavors and the savors of what is already there, what God is already doing. If we've lost our salt flavor, which we can only get from Jesus, then we've lost our purpose. And we probably need to go back to our identity so we can get our purpose right again. We need to go back to the Beatitudes, to the blessings of what it means to be a disciple so that we can then share those blessings. Y'all are the salt of the earth, meant to bless, to bring out the flavor all around us. Which is also true of light. It brings out what's already there. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. Again, present tense, second person plural. Y'all are the light of the world right now. Just as salt brings out the flavor of everything it touches, light illuminates everything it shines on, revealing and brightening what's already there. Light allows us to see without the light, we're stuck in the dark, afraid to move. Dr. Emerson Powery of Messiah College points out how hard it is for us in the modern world to even imagine a world without light. With a flip of a switch or a swipe of a finger, we've got light anytime we want it, any season, any hour of the day. Light is right at our fingertips all the time, and even when we want to get away from light, we can't. It's hard. You go outside to see the stars, and there's so much ambient light that you can't. You can't see them. Or even in your own bedroom, or at least this happens to me, you turn out all the lights, and there's still light in the room, green and blue and red little dots that are the on buttons for all of our gadgets. And they put out a lot more light than we think they do. I've gotten pretty good at tossing my pillow, one of the pillows from our bed to cover up the uh, the cable, the Wi-Fi light in our bedroom because <laughs> it blinked. So it's almost impossible for us to get in touch with how in ancient times when night fell, it was dark. You didn't have a fire, you didn't have a lamp, the moon wasn't shining. It was dark. There wasn't even enough light sometimes for your eyes to adjust. There was no light. For them to adjust to. When a light shines in that kind of darkness, it changes everything. Even if it's just one distant candle flame, it becomes a tiny beacon that lights the way. A number of years ago, our family was on a family vacation and being the daughter of a teacher, I knew that we would have to spend a little bit of time on a side trip to learn something, right? Teachers in the room, right? Every family vacation has some sort of educated purpose. Well, ours was a trip to Linville Caverns, and we went, this is in Marion, North Carolina, and we went to the caverns all excited, and immediately we started learning things. We learned about when the boys were little, so this was fascinating to them. We learned about these trout that swim in the underground streams in the cavern, and they're blind. Their eyes have adapted over the years. They've got these tiny little eyes, and they don't even function. Instead, God has allowed them to adapt so that they have these extra sensory places on their skin so that they can feel what they can't see. We were fascinated by that. Then we learned about stalactites and stalagmites and how outlaws used to hide these caverns to obey the authorities, also very exciting to my small children. (laughs) And our path was well lit all through the caverns. There were lights strung everywhere, even way up into the ceiling so you could see the colors and the magnificent formations up there. In one section, our tour guide led us to, Uh, She took us out onto this bridge that was made out of a thick plexiglass. So you're standing on this bridge when she announces to you that you should look down because you're standing over a very deep well and they've never been able to find the bottom of this pit, which all of us look down and suddenly realize that this very thick plexiglass really feels like saran wrap. But that wasn't the only trick the tour guide had up her sleeve. She explained that all of the extensive lighting in the cavern was wonderful because it made them easy to explore, but it really took away from the natural setting. And she wanted us to experience that. So she had us put our phones away and cover up our watch faces and anything that gave off any light. And she said she was going to turn out the lights. And I remember looking at the boys and smiling oh this is going to be fun <laughs> this <will> be neat. <laughs> and then the lights went out and it was not fun and it was not neat it was dark really really frighteningly dark not a speck of light anywhere you could not see your hand in front of your face and in just that moment I had just a burgeoning sense of panic I have no idea how to get out of here <laughs> And then, just at that moment, the person in front of me stepped to the side just a little bit. And in my line of vision were the -the glow-in-the-dark design on the sneakers of a child in front of me. That tiny bit of light gave me a sense of centeredness and hope. And my eyes went straight there and they did not move until she flipped the lights on again. What a difference even the tiniest bit of light can make in a dark place. Y'all are, we are, the light of the world. Now Jesus, of course, is the source of that light. We don't generate it. We don't make it. We simply let him shine through us. Just as he is the source of the flavor that we send out into the world as salt, he is the source of our light, the light that we shine. We shine his light. Now that light may be like a distant city on a hill, as Jesus tells us in verse 14, or it may be like a lamp that you put on a lampstand high up in a room so that that light can light up every corner of the room. But no one, Jesus reminds us, puts a bushel basket over a lamp. That defeats the whole purpose. Lamps are meant to shine. Light is meant to shine. And that's what we're meant to do, too. That's our purpose. To flavor the world. To shine God's light. Wherever we are. We have here in this room the blessings of all of those beatitudes, the blessing of life abundance, so that no matter what happens to us, no matter what hard thing we are called to do, we know that God is with us and that that hard thing will never be the last word on any of us. We know those blessings, and those blessings are not ours to keep but ours to share. That's who we are. That's what we do. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will get into more specifics of what it looks like to be his disciple. But sisters and brothers, I encourage us to stay here in these verses for a little while. To let them sink in. To let these two powerful metaphors for living as his disciples settle in our hearts. Because metaphors aren't measuring sticks. They're meant to make us ponder and inspire us and help us pause for a moment and say, oh. So think on these things, sisters and brothers. Ponder them. We are the salt of the earth right now. We are the light of the world right now. And that is a light that the darkness cannot overcome, even though it feels like sometimes it does. It cannot, it will not, it will never be able to overcome the light of the world. This is who we are. This is what we do. One of my favorite commentators put it this way, we as disciples, Let's go out and make the world tasty and lit up. (laughs) Tasty and lit up. That's what we do. So sisters and brothers, let's get out of the salt shaker. Let's let our light shine. It's who we are. It's what we do. Please pray with me. Use us, Lord, we pray. Imperfect, broken people that we are, redeemed only by you, saved and healed only by you. Knowing this, Lord, help us to be the salt you need us to be to flavor this world and bring out. The flavors all around us help us to be your light shining so that those in the dark will know that darkness is not all there is use us we pray let us be what you have already declared us to be the salt of the earth the light of the world in jesus name Amen. In just a few moments, we'll sing our hymn, our response, We Are Called to Be God's People, which is a beautiful celebration of what it means together for us to be God's people in our hurting world. If you've never given your life to Jesus, or you're seeking to become part of a community where we want to be the salt and the light that Jesus calls us to be, you are welcome to come forward as we sing this song together. If you would like to just come forward to pray, you're welcome to do that as well. Let us stand and sing.